Welcome, guys, to our first ever episode of Post Game Spray. What we're all about is just really basically talking garbage, everything footy, and hopefully have some type of knowledge. Introduce the boys. Firstly, myself, Paddy Farley. Secondly, Matty Durvin, uh, AFL goal umpire, um, make, trying to make his career exactly like David Roden's. Jordan Doyle, um, hopefully becoming the AFL CEO one day, but will become a professional orange peeler. Mitch Ferry, or Fez as we call him, uh, rates himself as the best ever player to play at Newport. And Jared Floodbells, who wants to be one day the leader of the current cheer squad. Welcome, boys. Okay, Paddy. Thanks, right, Paddy. Cheers. Um, so let's start off with what you reckon the game will be like post corona type of stuff. Do you want to kick us off with? Yeah, I can, mate. Uh, we're just talking about four 16 minute quarters. I think uh, players will be a little bit fresher. So I think it'll be a bit of a defensive slog. Players will be fresh to get back defensively and clog up the game. Hopefully that's not the case, but that's my take on it originally. But uh, yeah, players are coming off a shortened pre-season. Uh, who knows what it's going to look like, mate. Well, that, do you reckon that will affect better sides or worse sides being shorter quarters, being able to maintain how good their game actually is? Uh, yeah, don't know. I think I think <laughs> put fence, good start. Um, I think it'll help the better sides, mate. Um, the better sides set up defensively well. Um, so yeah, the Richmonds, Collingwoods, West Coast, GWS. I think they're going to be the ones that um, are favoured by this. But who knows? We'll find out this weekend. Bit opposite to Wiz, I reckon going for a shit side like Carlton. I think it might keep us in the games a little bit longer. We'll save the late quarter blowouts. Hopefully, um, just keep us in it. Um, because younger sides tend to fade away a little bit um, without red time in the towards the end of the quarter. So hopefully, yeah, keep games close for longer for those poorer sides like Carlton and Gold Coast. It was Red Ram on the shorter quarters as well, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Did that throw up any ridiculous? Not really. The margins were most of the games were reasonably close. Yeah, I think to Jared's point, um, those lesser sides that um, you don't expect to win. Um, it keeps them you know, more in the game, and I guess as a as a, as a fan, you, you want nothing less than your your team in the game for as long as possible. So if it creates more close and enthralling games, and during this period of time, um, you know it's certainly something refreshing for footy fans. You get back on. Um, obviously, having the massive break and your um, players do their own preseason kind of thing, and they've only had. Two or three weeks to kind of prepare. Um, what side do you reckon will reap rewards with the injuries coming back and how they're prepared and things like that? I think you can already see that um, some of the teams have got big injury lists and some of them are completely healthy. Uh, so there's already a, a handling of the isolation period there that some teams have done well and some, some haven't. I reckon it's going to be injuries galore in the first few rounds. It will have been so hard to manage training loads for blokes over this period. Like it'd be super difficult to make sure players are cherry ripe like they normally are. You've, you've, they've been doing pre-seasons and starting the season at the same time for forever and they've got it down to an art. This will have thrown so many spanners in the works and you already see blokes come back and doing soft tissues at training. Multiple blokes doing soft tissues at training. I don't reckon that happens very often in the normal season. Mitch is a bit more down the high performance path than I am, so I'll leave that to him. But um, you already, it, I think it's going to depend on how clubs are set up with their off-field stuff. I listened to Bucks and Hardwick the other night, and they both had totally different approaches. So Richmond had maintained their whole coaching staff and all their assistants, whereas Collingwood had gone in more keeping the, the high performance staff, doctors, physios, etc. So hasn't really worked for them so far. Richmond are pretty healthy, but uh, yeah, I, I think it'll depend on how their off-field is set up and everyone's going to be different because there's no exact formula on how to do it. And to Mitch's point about um, once the games come back, it's a different ball game, obviously. Um, the intensity goes up and you know, from players who have been by themselves or training with a partner in isolation for a period of two months, coming back to three-week training block, um, Nothing can mimic the intensity of match day, so um, there wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if you know clubs um, you know increase or develop you know long injury lists, especially with with soft tissue coming back in this first part of the season. It, is it rumor 
but uh, a lot of teams have really cut down their physios as well. And their and their masseuses well, and their game day trainers and stuff like well, that. The, the the cap on staff, it's gonna. It's I know Saint. I know Saint. Um, Saint Kilda Footy Club got rid of a lot of their medical staff. I know that. I'm not sure if that's the same. It's so if you've got no trainers and you've got one physio and stuff, or like you're cutting down on rubs, you're cutting down on a lot of pre-game stuff mm. as well. I think I think a lot of clubs would have put probably put in different measures in place. So if it was you know, physios and your trainers that they would cut back on within their footy department and maybe clubs and their players sourced um, outside, you know, physios and masseuses to look after that area. Mm. I don't know um, if it's any of the, the match day officials that the only caps on the full-timers that are let it go through. So mm. the trainers and that aren't full-time staff, so I don't think they're impacted. Oh, really? So you can... Yeah, but isn't there a game day staff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that... And every club will be different and... It is, it, the best clubs manage their off-field well, so that's going to... Mm. Yeah, whoever whoever does do that better is going to come off better throughout this after this period. So Blue's no good again then. Yeah. I heard Luke Shui during the week saying that, obviously, it's a real... Like, you know, they have the certain amount of contact um, training sessions, and he said, I think it's one a week you can have or something like that, and it's really actually put everyone off because when they do... Um, like obviously our contract they wake up sore for longer obviously not like reactivating those muscles and stuff like that so obviously like Fitz said it will prolong injuries and kind of be injuries school early on I think that's one contact training too many you're a bruise free football <laughs> Newport so yeah, there's got to be players that benefit from that <laughs> yeah, there will be just trying to think of. Uh, I reckon the. Uh, I mean, you've got odds and bikes like that in years gone by. I reckon it sums up a bit of difficulty for you there. Fez? What are thoughts on that, mate? <laughs> Real success at Newport. Um, biggest uh, story in footy for the week, really. Um, not necessarily Victoria, but South Australia. Um, crowds being played. Played with. Um, kind of thing. Um, I think the way Port are doing it, uh, it's 1,400 members to the home side and then 400 to Adelaide. And then the rest is corporate and stuff like that. Do you think that will have an impact at all, or will some will there be an advantage having a crowd? Or I'm just hoping we hear some old fashioned player ribbing <laughs> from the from the crowd. That would be elite. If you're one of the lucky two thousand to make it, you've got a really important role in in a showdown as well. I think it'll be your person on in the crowd really just let loose. Oh, the place. I can't believe that Port Adelaide have actually said, I think it's 1475 for them, but they've allowed 425 or something from Adelaide. I can't believe that they've said that Adelaide can have any. I thought they just would add 2,000 of their ferals. I'm pretty yeah, keen to see a local type situation where a player <laughs> jumps the fence yeah. and belts a fan. <laughs> uh, I think Port are enough trouble with Koshi at the moment, so. Yeah, so I don't think it's going to have an impact though. I think um, some of the. Some of the clubs that may have had their home, like say Geelong, for instance, playing Geelong, they have a home ground advantage there with the crowd. That's going to be lost a little bit. Geelong winning 400 Hawthorne sports. (laughs) 400 Hawthorne sports wouldn't get there in a normal game, so I don't (laughs) think they'll be getting there. But um, yeah, I think, you know, the WA crowd's pretty parochial, same with the SA crowd, so it will have an impact, but this will with. No, I can't. Uh, (laughs) I can pronounce it though, it's all that matters. Um, This week's games with the WA sides in. Queensland and now the showdown. I don't think it's going to have a huge effect. I think two thousand people is not not a heap. Yeah. So I think for the players, you'll feel like it's an empty stadium anyway, compared to they'd be used to 60,000 Adelaide Oval. So it's a great step for the AFL though. And yeah. I, Eddie said today that the crowds could be back in Victoria soon. So fingers mm. crossed, we can all get to a game. Get kanga 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 roo roo roo. Honestly, you can just hear like the real personal lacks from the crowd. I reckon it might be all right. Um. Will it have an effect on the umpiring as well, Dev? Um, just kind of the obviously the yellow ball and obviously the amount of flack that you guys cop. Do you reckon it'll impact that at all? Or? No, I don't think so. Um, I think you know whether there's a crowd um, in attendance or not, the umpire's role or you know job doesn't change. So um, I'm sure the uh, the four umpires over in Adelaide, um, you know, doing that game. Uh, you know, won't change their, their match plans um, heading into that game. So, um, yeah, I guess the philosophy is that you know, no crowd or or crowd that the the, um, the way the game's umpired, you know, shouldn't be changed. 
Yeah, you've heard the umpires you hate. Yeah. Very professional <laughs> stance there. I'm going to call absolute bullshit. <laughs> there is no chance that there will be less differential in the interstate game. I would like to see West Coast. I saw West Coast have had double in the last 10 years. Double. 15. Or 15 years. Double um, the next best team that free kick differential. I think 963 kicks. Yeah, Sydney were down 400 as well, so... I'd also like to ask a question for one of our panel members here, Paddy. What are you doing this week, Dev? Um, I'll be doing Richmond Collingwood. So if you're oh, if you're one of the corporates at Richmond or Collingwood, just make your way down behind the goals and see Dev and just let him know that, that what his comment was there was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> and make sure you get into him. And if you need anything, just give us a bell and we'll, uh, we'll give you some few lines. Right. <laughs> it will be interesting to see, Mike, if, if the games at West Coast and they come out at West Coast don't have the same sort of advantage they've had in the last few years, there'll be no doubt in anyone's mind that the crowd plays an influence in young wiring. Especially, the, I think the two ones are uh, holding the ball and deliberate, deliberate really, young players get influenced by that, I reckon. I think it's even, just subconsciously you hear, hear some noise and you think, oh, Brecky's going to be there as much as you try to put it out of the air. Well, they keep picking West Coast at four to by those games as well, so mm-hmm. it helps. Yeah, well, I think West Coast, all regular rewards of like having early on playing the hub and then having a lot of home games when crowds will probably be allowed back in and then if that does influence our fire or not, Derv does it? Well, we'll find out, <laughs> won't we? <laughs> right. so it looks like the AFL came out today, well, there's reports that there's going to be a WA hub straight after the Queensland hub where a couple of big couple sides will go through. But let's, have, let's be fair to you, let's have a shout out to the SA government and the WA government. The coronavirus is over in those states. Let's open up the borders and get rid of these hubs because it's absolutely rubbish what they're doing. And the WA Premier exact itself is that. I think I forgot to chew that. The five seconds of fame he's got and he's really enjoying his own work, McGowan. Open the borders up, you flog. He is a flog. Oh, I've got to tell you as well, we have Dan Andrews on the uh, show as well. We just, just spoke then. Um, Dan Andrews? Yeah. That's you. That's you, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, Beers. <laughs> Just hate, just hating everything Victoria at the moment, Wiz. Um, so let's go on to expectations of new players and recruits for the sides. Um, biggest, one of the biggest stories of the week's week was uh, Harley Bennell. Um, getting a game for Melbourne. Um, what do you reckon? What do you reckon his impact will be? And do you reckon he'll be able to, if he's able to stay on the track, will he be able to sustain how good he was prior to his injuries? He's been out of the game a long time. I think he's played two games since 2015. So he was a really promising talent, an up-and-coming superstar of the game, I suppose. But um, I think it might take him a while, but he does have a bit of magic. And who knows? Hopefully, fingers crossed for everyone, that he comes back healthy and where he was before he left. I reckon he'll come out of 20 touches in the first half and buy a calf. (laughs) Something different? He'll won't lose the class that he had, but whether he can do it on a consistent basis... It's a different story. But I just think just good to see him back. I just think the reason he hasn't got injured is because he hasn't been playing games. Mm-hmm. Like every time he's tried to come back in a Peel Thunder game in WA, he would blow a cuff. Mm-hmm. I'd just be staggered if he doesn't do a cuff. The other thing he's got on his side, the other thing he's got on his side is he's not he's not that old. I think he's twenty seven or eight. But I think the other thing that might impact is where he plays. I mean, mm-hmm. He can play deep forward, but. He's also I think that would, I reckon they'll roll with him there. Yeah, if probably, he gets back to where he was, he was huge for Melbourne. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just like that class. And I'll say, you know, it probably speaks to um, you know, Melbourne's high performance program led by, um, you know, the returning Darren Burgess, who's obviously really well renowned in the, or renowned in the um, high performance space to, to get him back on the track and, and you know, ultimately back on the park now. And as, you know, Frank said, to having back playing football and after you've played two games in, in five years is a great story. Now, just throw another big recruiting Paddy, Sam Doppy for the Blues, back from God. two years, all Australian back inside, I think he'll be a, be as big a recruit as anybody. How far is he helping you climb up the ladder? Can't go any further. Um, we'll win a few more games this year. I'll give us... 12. You'll win you a couple oh, games out of... Halfback flankers, apparently. Take you the flags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all, all Australian. Bit of leadership back there. Kate Simpson not delivering enough. 300 games, just not, not enough. 
<laughs> We've got both of them now, so ship off uh, Nick Newman. And speaking of people who uh, enjoy the Bruce Ray footy, I think Doherty's one of those. I oh, yeah. watched a game with Frank a couple of years ago. It's pretty desperate, went to a Carlton game, uh, <laughs> and watched Doppy F30 without anyone within in the same postcode as him. So. just refused to man him up, and hopefully they've learned a thing when he's uh, two years old. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Mm. No, it's good to see him back, he's a good player. Uh, man, the news lately, um, for you guys, Jack Stevens. Stephen. Stephen. No S. <laughs> it's very... S at the start, or S at the end? Yeah, just, just at the <laughs> um, start. So, um, how do you reckon your impact and you'll play round one? Getting stabbed probably didn't help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, never does. It never does. Look, he, he's a four-time best and fairest winner. Uh, he's a much lesser club than Geelong and St Kilda, but uh, he can definitely play. So, fingers crossed. But I don't, I don't, by all reports, I don't think he's going to play on Friday night against the Hawks. But if he can get on the park, um, I think he'd be a good acquisition. But Geelong's high-performance stuff got a little bit to be desired. You know, Copper 2 is not... Back fit and firing it. We've got some bad history along with Barty and a few other players, so be interesting to see if they can get him right and ready to play. I'm just looking forward to another explosive midfielder bursting out of a pack and then shaking again. <laughs> I think you'll fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> um, update on a side that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, Gold Coast obviously having a couple of new high draft picks and then a bit of class with um Allison Greenwood. Do you reckon that would impact them at all? Or I'd like blew a calf. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's no Better good. Say, I wouldn't say Allison Greenwood of class, but they're, they're mm. more yeah. I feel like they're just... Riders. Yeah. Mm. I think Greenwood will help. They haven't been great inside. Greenwood played well round one. Yeah, so he'll, he'll be good. Uh, Rouse, yeah, he's a really good player. Yeah. Um, who showed that in the first round. And, and those two players, Rouse and Anderson, could set him up long term. So hopefully they can keep hold of him, mate. You know, their first draft, I think there's only Swallow left. So they had, they had a great pick of draft players there. But um, whether they can keep them and I think wins are going to be essential to that. They need to start a culture that, that gets them off the bottom of the ladder. So. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at getting a few players back from their round one team, I think. But then they had, they've had um, Ellis, uh, Anthony Miles got injured as well. So it's the same old story, I reckon. Just get a few back, lose a few. Mm-hmm. Their best they lose, they lose. They lose. Swallow this week as well. Yeah, suspended. suspended. So that's three big bodies out, which they desperately need big, to big. knock the kids out. Yeah. Against West Coast as well, so I reckon they could be um, off to a rough start. It's a good challenge for them, though, like to see where they're at. Yeah. The, the, the AFL needs Gold Coast a lot better than what they are because it's a big black mark against the AFL at the moment. What's going on up there? Yeah. Um, Saint Kilda and real. I'd say mid-range player heavy going for Hill, Ryder, Howard, Jones and Butler. Do you think that will impact at all, that kind of mediocrity they've had for the last probably six years continue not really searching for A-grade stars, or not yet to be A-grade stars? If they're ever going to be good, it'll be this year, I reckon. New coach, went all in on bringing blokes back. Brad Hill's an absolute gun. Mm. Get an old Paddy Ryder. Doesn't help them with a short quarters playing Ryder or Marshall. They reckon Ryder won't even get kicked. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting because North picked up. Good on paper. North picked up a few similar recruits last year, and it didn't really help them with Hall and Pollock and Pittard and blokes like that. So I think St Kilda's. I know Hill's a bit probably a little bit higher up the food chain than those blokes, but how it feels a whole. Point. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. But they've it's a huge game for them this week. They got the dogs. If they lose this, they go zero and two with Collingwood and Richmond to come. So they'll be. Could be 0 4 very easily if they don't win this one. A lot of it depends on blokes that we've sort of been waiting for for a couple of years, like Billings and Severos, if they can take the next step along with the those other players they've brought in, then they might might go right and improve. But a lot depends on if they, those guys can develop into A graders as well. Yeah, Max King showed some really good signs in the first round. So I reckon Hanbury's the big one at St Kilda. An extra three months off, he could, like, he, if he gets anywhere back to what he was playing like at Sydney, he'd be huge. But they're, they're every chance against the dogs. The dogs are pretty ordinary in round one as well, so it's a really big game for them this round. I'm not sure where to put the dog at the moment. They've got space a lot of a lot of hype on in preseason and then got pumped round one off by a good pie side, but yeah. it'd be interesting to see where they actually really at. I feel like there's similarities between oh eight Hawthorne and the flag, the dogs one. With it young, take a few years to come good. Yeah, I agree with that. They've, and the same sort of thing, Hawthorne had a few experienced blokes in that, like Bateman, etc. And the Dogs had 
the Pickens and Morrises and that, and they've had to regenerate a little bit, but they've still got that young core that won that flag. But uh, I'm, I think, still reasonably bullish about the Doggerlink. Um, they just ran into a pretty hot pies with outfit in round one, and I think they can still be pretty good this year. Mm. Um, Hawthorne went hardish getting Patton and Frost, obviously wanting to make a dent in September. Um, do you reckon that will impact, or do you reckon Patton, if he can get on the track for a whole year, will actually live up to the number one draft pick I status? I reckon they'll go well this year. The Hawks, they finished last year pretty strongly. Um, I think you get another year into blokes like Wingard as well, um, second year at the club. Patton, who can, who's a good player, I think they're not as smoky to win the flag, but I think they're, for me, they're pretty comfortable top eight side. Um, they're not going to be any worse than last year. And yeah, they're pretty handy, handy, handy recruiters, Tom Mitchell, for them. <laughs> yeah. um, Patton, Patton's what they were missing, I think. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the Ruck, because they, they played Segler, Ruck, and McAvoy back. Mm-hmm. I don't think McAvoy's a backman. I don't know why you'd consider moving him, but if, if he didn't play too bad back last year, though. Yeah, I don't think he got played really well in round one too. I don't yeah. think it's a long term solution playing McAvoy back, but it's, if they didn't get that right, the rucks and that and Patton playing forward, I think I'm not sure about Frost. I, think I reckon they list this mediocre. I reckon without Clarks, the Hawks would be nowhere. Yeah, but that's probably right. But they do have him, so mm, they, another year into Yago Mirror as well. Blokes like Harry Morrison, James Cousins, all these blokes, Walker Glass, just no good. I think Warple's right. Didn't you win there? Well, Warple's just one. He won there. Yeah, Warple's gone. At least they midfield. Different team. I think they midfield. Didn't say Warple. I think they midfield's pretty set with Warple, Mitchell, Amira. Yeah. Yeah, Amira looks like missing this week. Yeah, but that's just a facial. Yeah. Rashid's not a recurring knee injury, which would be the big one, but until another year, um, injury, he'll. Um, lastly, how could we miss the biggest recruit? There was a couple of tears from the two Geelong supporters over there, Tim Kelly going over to WA. Will that affect both better off with Geelong? Oh, you reckon? Yeah. Just, just glad his family could go with him in the hub. That was that was very essential. One of three families that went to the hub. It just frees up a midfield spot for Ablett and Lawson. Give him more minutes in there. I think West Coast... Pretty good things this year. Kelly's a massive game for them. He's a he's a gun. So how are they a dollar ninety to make the eight? Who top or who was who was texting that last night? Or top four must be top four. It's still value. Yeah, I think they're Campbell responsibly out there, but yeah, just so get on the for Mad Bookie, major sponsor guys. <laughs> um, we'll get to so our prediction for our top eight this year. Um, we'll do a top four first, no particular order. Um, I reckon everyone can agree on Richmond. Bang up there, probably first um, West Coast as well, and then it kind of simmers between Collingwood, GWS, and Geelong for those last two spots. Mid think, does anyone have any rebuttals? Brisbane probably in that category. Uh, I've got GWS, Richmond, West Coast, Collingwood for my top four. I just think a pass mark for Brisbane this year is to win a flag, not do a win a flag. Win, sorry, win a um. <laughs> Win a final. Um, don't want to do what Melbourne did and kind of make it to a prelim and then no good call. Shoot off. Yeah, I don't know. They they've got such a good midfield, but I'm, I'm, I think they're young at one end and old at the other. Interesting. I've got. They've had a good midfield for ages. Yeah, I've awesome. got them slipping out of game. I've yeah, got them just in. That's my, that's my call for the year. I, I rate Fagan highly. I reckon mm. he's too good. And then playing at Brisbane. Yeah. Helps. I reckon they'll be alright. They get off to a good start with four games up there. That'll definitely set them up. I am super interested to see how the home grounds affect this year. If maybe the interstate sides lose some of that home ground advantage, does the travel factor play more than the crowd factor? Possibly, but does it also help those young sides come to the G when they have 50,000 when they're not used to it? Who knows? I think Geelong are the big winners. Like being able to play Hawthorne at the Cattery is massive. Yeah, okay. it's definitely big winners. Well, Geelong's yeah. the main ground that's got very different dimensions to yeah. the others, so definite advantage. You can see when the Cats go to the G, no injury is effective. It's also one of those sort of old-fashioned grounds where the wind does play effect, like at Marvel or the G. Or that the wind's a little factor, but little intricacies like that at Geelong, I think, are things that help. And as I said, the, the grand dimensions, the cats can definitely choke sides down there. So, so do we have Hawthorne in the eight this year? 
I think they're in the yeah. way. Yeah, I've got them. They haven't actually done that, but yeah. I'm just going out there and saying, yeah, they're in the yeah, way. Yeah, I, um, I wouldn't. It's off the top of my head, no. You wouldn't have them? No. I reckon if you've got West Coast, Richmond, Collingwood, Fights. Yeah, GWS, Geelong. Um, who else are we looking at there? Dogs, I reckon dogs are in Brisbane. Brisbane. That's eight. That would be I'd one. say so you're probably looking at I'd dogs say Hawthorne over the dogs. I that's what I think. And you, you always have normally one smoky every year to make the yeah, like Brisbane last year did it and like a side like Adelaide could pop up. Port Adelaide. Adelaide. People are talking yeah. about yeah. 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 Ported, ported that juice. I'm pretty sure it's only Koshy. Yeah. If they, if they don't if they don't <laughs> yeah. aggregate, I think Koshy will give Hinkley the sack. So yeah. Yeah. Paddy being one on Collingwood and Koshy's remarks in Multihouse just That's <laughs> <laughs> a second time. Just know your role, mate. Prison bar jersey for one club only. Um, okay. Um, so, Brandlow predictions for this year. Do you want to start us off, Dave? No, you can't. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Frank. Um, I'm interested to see what Dave's got to say, though. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me to say this, but I reckon danger. We've a lot of games down at the Cattery. No Tim Kelly to steal votes off him. I reckon he'll take a bit of responsibility in midfield and go to another level. Fair enough, Fizz. All right, well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit left field. I've been waiting for him to explode for a while. So I think Josh Kelly might be his year. Josh Kelly? Josh Kelly. Yeah, Sound like So many blokes in there to take, take votes off. I don't think that's an issue with good players. When you look at players that won brand lows, they've normally been in good sides, kind of thing. Yeah, but they normally, yeah. I reckon they're normally standouts. Except that what means of the Gold Coast. Fife wins at Freo. Fife's still a good player, mate. Fife yeah. plays mm. seven, eight games, he'll be out to. Yeah. Go, I think Pen- oh, another smoky Pendles is always up there. Oh, Pendles, another, <laughs> another top 10 for Pendles. Yeah, yeah. Seventh of all time. The thing with Kelly, I reckon he's almost approaching a bloke that in a full season you get 17 games out of and just accept that he's going to miss a few. He's got to miss a few. Okay, well, uh, this segment now, um, our top five underrated forwards um, of all time. But that can be, that's I'm doing it kind of um, post 2000 because I wasn't born pre so I'm going to kick off mine um, as a forward I didn't think he was rated Adam Goods not not rated but as a forward wasn't looked at that much um, the man himself Pav um, the modern day now um, Jason Castagna I reckon doesn't get Jordan. as oh was it Geordie or Jet no oh, did you Jordan. just say Jason Castagna <laughs> underrated underrated I reckon doesn't get with Tom Lynch he's rightly underrated he's not rated that's why I think he um actually does the job for Richmond as their fourth forward um Quentin Lynch when he was at when he was at West Coast when he was at Collingwood he was no good he was no good at Collingwood but he and um Jeff Gullett when he was in his prime, Jeff, hey, he was not underrated in my book. <laughs> now this is Paddy's podcast. That Paddy is the host, and this is why he's called in some other people for their expert opinions because that was the worst. List of it. There's been some hugely crap lists made throughout this whole period, and that is that's just taking the cake as number one. Underrated niche players. That, that I think it's so hard to make underrated lists just because of. Who's underrating them and who's overrating them? Yeah. So I'll agree with Pav. Pav kicked seven hundred goals. Was an All Australian back as well, and was played a lot of his career in the midfield. He he doesn't get the plaudits that sort of your Browns and your Rewalts get, and I think he's in the same category as them. And I Goods. think it's because he played for for uh, Goods was a gun midfielder. Yeah. Like you kicked, played center, kicked over four hundred goals. You played centre forward for a couple of years and did a good job, but I don't. Yeah, was he? His, he was good in that. The, when they won their their second flag in 2012, he was a forward and he was a good player, but they, they had a Lachlan and a few other good players around at that stage. Oh, and I'm, maybe he wasn't in Hall as well. He was sort of, he did become the number one forward, I suppose, towards the end of his career. But, yeah. Um, Castagna, and you lost me at Castagna. I can't remember the last two. Jeffy. Jeffy. Darwin. Houston. Yeah. Uh, Ashanson. Yeah. 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 How did they win a flag with Houston and Ashanson? <laughs> They were uh, hunters, 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 hunters
With top five on the rated forwards, is that easy? easy? Just off the top of my head, I I actually, and I don't like this player at all, but uh, I don't think Jack Rewok gets the points he he deserves. He's kicked 600 goals. Uh, Yeah, and he's still still going. Uh, I think he's underrated in terms of his performance. I think he's a very good player. Uh, Now, especially now, um, they got Lynch as well. It'd be interesting to see how they go with a full year together. I think it could be pretty scary. Uh, and Rewalt was really good in the first game against Carlton, so he's one that springs to mind. Um, I think one that we were talking about actually before we started recording was uh, Tom Tom Hawkins from a Geelong perspective. I think he's someone that hasn't oh. quite got. No, he is someone that hasn't got the best out of himself. I wouldn't say he's underrated. So right, the Jesslin Grand Final overrated. Overrated. He's kicked five hundred and fifty goals. I think he should have kicked seven hundred. Played Geelong's um, best forward the last ten years. Yes, I think. But I think he could have done more with his career. So, so that, that doesn't fit in the category, but they're just off the top of my head. Thanks, <laughs> Fizz. Just, 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 just throw that real, in. Real beration for mine, and you, you've named two players. Thanks, mate. Fizz? Yeah, no, I'd rather just rail yours than not only one I'm just happy to... Like, I just think it's difficult to talk about blokes that are underrated when there's... It's just... you know, who's, who's underrating him? Who's overrating him? Is it... Are you going off plaudits in the media? Or are you going off underrated by umpires? It's a difficult thing to talk to. Um, now we'll head to um, four things we're looking forward to uh, for this round and the rest of the season. You want to kick us off, Fez? Yep, no worries. Uh, pre-game beers at Young and Jackson's. I think that's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. Uh, we, we were always looking forward to that. Uh, spending 50 bucks on food when they allow crowds back in. <laughs> and that's before half-time as well. So we'll get into that. Pick. Obviously, yelling, he's been doing it all day. Uh, it's an integral part of the footy experience for me. Uh, I'm hoping we can hear some of that on the TV this week, especially when it's like a deliberate out of bounds or something like that. That's perfect. I'll roll that out. Do you reckon you'll hear that from players on the bench? He's been doing it all day for the umpires? Yeah, well, listen, if I was playing, I'd be rolling that. So Players are going to bring something to the uh, viewers' yeah. experience. Should they be mic'd up? <laughs> I think you'd be they will be. I think back in the day, if you've got like Scarlett, Mackie, Real personal. Milburn mic'd up. You might get some quality quality chat. And my fourth thing I'm most looking forward to is post-game views. Young and Jackson's under the cat's So they're pretty simple for me. So, yeah, um, is this... Is this you're going to have a beer? Are you having a beer? That's what I'm gathering up. That's what Post-game I'm Post-game views, Young and Jackson's a crucial voice. Guinness or draft or what are you rolling with? Whatever's out there rolling there. Mm. I like that. Uh, looking forward to a couple of things, especially out of the Geelong Hawthorne game. Uh, Hawkins goal after the siren. Uh, <laughs> Isaac Smith missing a session after the siren. Yes. Bringing back Paul Piopolo to a scissor kick to have a shot from 20 metres out, kicking across the face. And yeah, if Varco was still playing a missed shot from 20 metres out straight in front, put us into another grand final. Go, Frank. What are four things you're looking forward to? You probably just for the Blues. Uh, Sam Doherty coming back into the side. Already touched on that one. Uh, <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack Martin coming come in as well. Good recruit. <laughs> looks, Eddie looked very good in round one. Eddie Benz? Um, yeah, the return of the great man Eddie coming back in. And then Tony. Four shorts. Furiously um, wanking over the crew. <laughs> 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 that's, 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 that's just a given, really. Um, Contract talks on old, Frank. We're, no, we're, you can't leave another like club, surely. That's that something. segment's got to be coming up, doesn't it? Cripper contract talk. <laughs> as, as is everyone else's <laughs> in the competition while they saw I think you're going to WA jumper. That's going to gather some momentum throughout 2020. Uh, Cripps so contract talk. Fake news. You want to start winning some games. Fake oh, news. And, yeah, uh, my fourth thing I'm probably I'm not really looking forward to, it, but I've got my hopes up at the moment. I reckon we'll knock Melbourne off this week, but I'm looking that'll come crashing back down to earth. At about six o'clock on Saturday, I reckon. So <laughs> that's probably. I'm looking forward to watching Fake cry after they lose on Saturday. While it's, <laughs> it's like round one all over again. They hope against the Tigers, and then they get pollacks, and they've had three months off, and they get pollacks. Frank in that game, and they always, they always give they always give them a little bit of um, just. Flirt with them a little bit because after quarter time, we were good after quarter time. The, you know, the Blues were good after quarter time. No, gives them hope for round two, and no, they come in with a bit. They kick eight Harry, the Harry, team, Harry, Harry McCoy's fit, so there's the great one. Train still hasn't run out of steam, so oh, it's, it's, it's Charlie Curno still out. Yeah, that's right. We got big, big H back, so big Levi. You'll have a good fight back or forward this year, Levi. No, he's back forward. Levi, yeah. Back forward. Back forward. Levi will be supporting him in the ruck this week. So. Can you imagine Levi being a premiership forward? <laughs> it's no, it's 
Probably okay. no different to acoustic. What about that rough oh, combination? Oh, 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 you're kidding, oh, 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 oh. You're kidding. <laughs> no, I'll put them in the same category. Acoustic. Um, okay, so a question we have, um, it's we is it still relevant or are the clubs still relevant, the big four? So Collingwood, Richmond, Essendon and Carlton, or has that been replaced by other clubs? Thoughts, Wiz? Oh, Richmond and Collingwood are still relevant at the moment. The Blues and Essendon are not, I don't think. Uh, the Bombers haven't won a final since 2004, so that puts them a bit behind the eight ball when you compare them to the, the other two you mentioned. But uh, I think the Hawks, West Coast are in that discussion. So, yeah, I, I don't think that those four in particular, no. I think if you've been the big four for 100 years, does it... Just 20 years of not being in the finals make you irrelevant? To make you not part of the big four? Like, is it it's what makes you part of the big four. Sort of well, I think it was more around supporter base and success for the, a lot of years for those four clubs. But yeah, I think, as I said before, yeah. Hawthorne and, yeah. and West Coast in terms of revenue and the supporter base and, supporter and success base, have been... I think I had a look at the, those, the big four that we mentioned is still the four highest drawing home crowds in Melbourne. So obviously you got West Coast and Adelaide and State, but they're not they're who are relevant, but they're not huge over here in, in Melbourne. But I think if you get Carlton Nesson up and running along with Collingwood and Richmond, I don't think there's many bigger clubs, but I don't think the rivalries that were there are the same anymore in terms because obviously they had to clean up the on field beef, unfortunately. So still there are a little bit of supporters, but I think it's been the actual rivalries have been replaced by your Geelong Hawthorns and um, those sort of ones that are developed um, through close finals and that sort of thing. Which yeah, success lovely, success lovely determines that too. I think with like you saw with Richmond, once they they started winning, there a lot of their supporters come out of the, the yeah. Area. And I think that's the thing with Carlton and Essendon, like the uh, the memberships are so overblown these days through all their three day and two day memberships. That, and Pet dog memberships and stuff like that that I don't think it's a true reflection of how many supporters there are for a particular team I think yeah well I think you look at the actual attendances that's the main one that will tell you how many I think there's a reason why I think there's a reason why Richmond and Carlton always open the season Collingwood Essendon always play at the day and Richmond Essendon always take the dream time slot because they're the ones that draw in that in that period of time in the AFL um, you know, are comfortable to to go with those clubs um, as, I guess, rivalry games um, you know, throughout the season. Yeah, I think when, when those teams are going well, um, and they'll be drawing 50,000, 60,000 a week at, at the G, whereas if you get a, a North Melbourne going well, good luck getting more than 30,000 no matter how well they're going. It's almost when they're not going well as well. Yeah, I mean, you sort of when North are going, if you're North from bottom of the ladder for as long as Carlton beat, they'd be getting five people to their games. Yeah, I mean, you saw Carlton won a couple of games last year, and geez, geez, the supporters came out of the woodwork and were getting very up and about, including myself. So it's only a matter of time before it. I don't know if you actually yeah, jump, yeah. We jump on the train. Book a seat at the game before you walked up. Pumping. I went to my first win for two and a half years last year against the Saints, and it was pumping. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you reckon the biggest rivalry is in the game at the moment? Would it be a Collingwood Richmond or your Geelong Hawthorne? Or would it be a kind of interstate clash, the Derby, Q clash, Battle of the Bridge? I don't reckon there's <laughs> any. Like, if, if you're going purely on feeling, I reckon the WA, especially after Gaff yeah. dropped Brayshaw, I reckon that's that's the game I'd want to play the most, I reckon. Tight between that and the showdown, I reckon. There's been some good showdowns over the years. From the, from the, from the, and that's Josh the feeling. Josh Carr running around. Yeah, Those yeah, two yeah. Te- team towns, they're. You can't replicate that in Victoria. We're They're also feral in Adelaide. But in terms of like on field, Sydney, had Sydney West Coast for a long time, and now Geelong Hawthorne for a long time. Just the closeness, and that was yeah, that's what determines it. But it'd be interesting to see if um, GWS and Sydney and then Gold Coast and Brisbane develop those sort of rivalries over the year. Uh, then um, the GWS Sydney ones because they played against each other in a final, so that's mm. that's a bit more fierce than. Now, here's an introduction of a man where we felt we only got an introduction of. Unfortunately, plagued by injury, having a 73 career game at Geelong, then heading across the board to the Swans with a goal-to-game ratio of 1.8. 
Comparing that to former Geelong teammate and superstar Stevie J with only 1.7 goals per game. The man himself, Daniel Menzel. Party over the top. Now Menzel again, right on the 50. Can he kick a goal this time? You bet he can. What a fairy tale. Welcome, Dan. I'll take Dan. I'll take that statistic too because Stevie was my forwards coach last year at Sydney. So um, he, uh, he doesn't let you win too many battles. So I'll, I'll take that one over him. <laughs> um, what's your relationship like with Stevie J? Is it um, real matey, or is he kind of the party boy he is on the field, off the field as well, or is he a bit? Does he simmer down a bit when he's just kind of around your one on one? I think um, he he still tries to find that balance. He in loves having a good time and um, being just a really a bloke's bloke, I guess. And so um, as a coach, he he, yeah, he at times definitely goes okay. I'm, <laughs> I've got to realise that I'm the coach and not the player anymore. But um, it's, I think it's good to be that way. At least he's that way rather than the other way where you don't have a relationship at all. So, um, no, it's definitely – that's one of his better traits. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think Fizz wants to one. Yeah, hey, mate. Um, I was sort of just wondering, uh, when you first jumped onto the scene, it looked like being a superstar. Um, and, and then when you returned to playing – I was curious as to whether there was physical limitations on you after those uh, knee injuries. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think um, at the time I didn't think there was, but uh, since 2015 when I sort of made my um, official return and, and stayed injury-free um, with, with the knee since then, I've probably the last five years realised that there was some severe limitations and it's probably taken me until this year to get over most of them if not all of them so it's one that um i think anytime you do a knee or you have a long-term setback there is going to be some limitations that unfortunately would take a little bit of time but um yeah i, I probably didn't realize um how long it would take and and i guess respect how much um it would actually take for me to get back to the level i wanted to yeah okay is, is that something that all players that do a knee deal with or was the, the repetitive nature of it that led to those sort of things? Yeah, I think it's probably more the repetitive nature that you said. Um, having done four ACLs, the three on the left knee, the, the load that your, your groins take, your, um, obviously your knees, your quads, um, hamstrings, things like that, they, they take a lot more stress than what they probably should because you don't mechanically move as well as you, you probably did beforehand. And um, you're forever compensating movements in your body because of that injured uh, part. So unfortunately for me, that's what happened over time. And as a result, I had really bad groin pain and groin surgery off the back of it. But I think for um, if you just do the one ACL, then there certainly is hope for you that you'll, you'll never actually have any long-term effects or, or long-term damage in terms of other parts of your body. So it's probably more the nature that I, I did it for four years and it, and it just kept having that toll. Uh, thanks, Ben. Uh, just to, to follow on from what Mitch just asked, um, and we don't really want to concentrate on your, your knee injuries, but sort of your career post that. Um, the 2016-17 season, I think you kicked 73 goals in those two years, and a couple of us are Geelong supporters, and we, we sort of were a bit intrigued as to why you weren't an automatic selection, and uh, you got dropped for a, a big final and then returned. Um, can you just talk us through what was sort of what was leading to you being on the edge of selection and what your feelings were throughout that period? Yeah, it's um, you're spot on there with the, the two years and the 73 goals. I've had a few people talk to me about that and, and ask that question and sort of ask a confusing question, I guess. And um, for me at the time, it was a little bit as well. Um, we didn't have a lot of goal kickers. Tom Hawkins was obviously our main one and, and I was quite easily our second highest. And... And we just didn't have many other avenues to go after that, which which really hurt us. And, and we, we'd identified, but um, I think it was one that, unfortunately, in hindsight, um, I guess the coaching group thought that they'd be able to do it through other avenues and they'd be able to have midfielders go down and kick goals. And uh, I think that's where maybe they underestimated how hard it is to kick goals. And so the other thing that... Um, that I'm strong on with, with my coaching and the way I view footy as well. And I believe that with media, unfortunately, um, whatever the media sort of says is what people hone in on. And, and the media usually has a look at people's weaknesses in their games and, and it gets blown up a lot more than maybe what it should. And so in that, I'm alerting to that 
I was able to kick goals, uh, win contests and do a lot for the team. But maybe I didn't put on as much pressure as um, as others did in the forward line. And, and that was certainly blown up. And I think that um, something that I look at when I coach and when I look at things is you've got to look at the strengths in players and try and play them to their strengths, not um, bring out their weaknesses. And, and that was something that um, was absolutely highlighted. And, yeah, I, I guess now that I'm out of the picture for a few years, I look back at it and sort of laugh a little bit and think how did – one, I even get dropped for that game. I mean, um, that that was talked about later that it was a mistake. But, yeah, just the way that different people look at it and, and that's sort of, I think, how it come about. And I know that um, in speaking with a lot of teammates, they were a bit surprised at, um, at yeah, just having a fight for a position when, when we didn't have the cattle on the park, to be honest. Yeah, OK. Um, that sort of leads into um, what I was thinking about next is, how was this mindset transition from coming in and having a lot of immediate su- success and being viewed at as a, a potential superstar and prodigy at that age uh, and then moving into a position where you're not regularly getting picked? What was the sort of mindset you had to go through from moving from that to, uh, to later on where you're in and out of the team a little bit? Yeah, it's a challenging one because you then have to um... – really reflect on are you viewing the game properly and viewing your game properly and um, that's where it's difficult because you get different opinions from different people and you get told different things as well and and I had um, I worked closely with obviously the other forwards and my forwards coach and whatnot and they were like you, you're playing like you're easily in our best team and so um, that's where a lack of communication breaks down I think at a footy club and and so for me, it was one that I had to continually um, adjust and and try and get as much information as possible because at times, um, yeah, I, I probably thought maybe I wasn't playing at my best level, but there certainly weren't other guys who were sort of doing more and, and that's where you do struggle with it a little bit. And if you don't get that clear communication, it's really hard to get your head around it. And um and, and so what I really helped me through that was my teammates and they, they always had confidence in me that I thought, you know what, if I, unfortunately, the, the coach picks the team and if, if you're not in it, you're not in it and that's just how it is. And so um, that's where you've got to go, okay, well, what am I going to do about it? And, and what I said before with my teammates having confidence in me was that I'd know, I'd know that if I come into the game, they'd be able to back me and they would back me to play well. And so I didn't really come in and go, geez, okay, I haven't really got anyone who wants me in the team. It's, it was nice to have their backing and, um, and that certainly helped um, when it comes to, yeah, looking at whether you might get picked and what role you might play in the side. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a credit to you, mate. I, I, as a supporter, yeah, I was, I was bitter for you at stages. Um, through that, so I can only understand how uh, I can only uh, guess as to how you managed to not stay bitter in that, during that process. Yeah, well, it is as tough because the other thing that I really battled with was I obviously missed four years and and I had a really good start to my career as a young um, footballer and I come through at the same age as as Mitch Duncan and even Alan Christensen and guys like this who uh, played a hundred more games than me. And, and so you sort of look at it and your expectations are still very high and you want to achieve what they're achieving. And, and I guess um, what I struggled with was when I was coming back, I knew I wouldn't be my best straight away. And I sort of just needed a little bit of patience and would hope that maybe I'd get picked um, off the back of, all right, if we can get a few more games into him, we know what his best is going to be. And, it didn't feel like that. It felt like I was not only battling my body, but also battling to get selected. And so that was something that, um, yeah. And then, and then the other thing is, you're right. Like fans and other people sort of come up to you and like, what's going on? And then that's when you go, actually, maybe I am saying it right. Maybe I'm not. And so, um, unfortunately, it does make it difficult when it is so public um, and your life's played out in a in a public forum too. Mm. Um, a question about um, obviously playing at multiple clubs. A club like Geelong, where the town is run by footy and everyone in the city um, goes to the Cats, then moving up to Sydney, where footy is kind of a side sport compared to um, rugby, and they even have the competition of um, soccer up there. What was the what were the similarities and differences um, between the two clubs and the two towns um, footy wise? Yeah, it was, um, it was very different in terms of uh, the towns and how they viewed AFL. And obviously in Geelong, it's a one-club town. It's, you've got your own radio stations and newspapers. Everything's about the Geelong Footy Club. And so 
there's not a there's it's hard to escape that when you're a player. Um, and so, don't get me wrong, not eighty or ninety percent of Geelong goes to Geelong, and so you get some really good feedback and some really nice messages and people talk to you and and put you up on a pedestal. But at the same time, um, when it's not going well either, you certainly hear about it. Whereas in Sydney, that's one of the great things up there that players love was that um, they they didn't um, have to worry about external factors as much and it was very much inside the club. And, and I found that when I went home from the club, I, just, I was able to forget about footy or not forget about it, but I was able to do other things outside of footy and focus on them and my thought wouldn't be dragged back to, um, to just AFL. And it's one that over time it can drag you down, um, particularly if things aren't going well. And I'll give you an example, um, which I learned pretty early on. I, I we went to a pub uh, early on in pre-season, and there was maybe seven or eight of us players there. And this is in Sydney, and I just got there a couple of weeks prior, and went out and I was sitting there having a beer, and uh, I was looking, obviously playing in the forward line with Buddy Franklin. I was sitting next to Bud, and I was asking him about a couple of things, and and I said to him, I said, do, do people genuinely not know you up here? And he said, you wait, you watch tonight and see if anyone comes up. And the whole night, one person come up, and I think they said. It's something like, are you that, um, are you that Buddy Franklin guy? And um, Bud said, no, no, that's not me. It must be someone else. But um, it's, uh, that in itself sort of told me straight away, okay, it's just a completely different place and we're in the same country, but the way that people view AFL and obviously NRL and whatnot. But um, so in terms of off-field, it was completely different like that. And um, I think... Maybe 10 years ago, you'd prefer where it's there's more media and there's more coverage around it. But because there's so much media coverage nowadays, players love um, to be able to get away from that. And, and so the Sydney players certainly did. And I think in terms of um, the actual teams itself at the club, um, that they're both good cultures and they both a lot of people have some really good relationships there. But I, I, what I found at Sydney was most players that play for Sydney have moved away from home. They've moved states to play at Sydney and maybe only three or four guys actually come from the city of Sydney. So what that meant was that everyone's families are interstate. So naturally they would just hang around with each other a bit more and, and, and be a little bit tighter because they don't necessarily have their families to go back to on weekends or, or even dinners and things like that. So um, don't get me wrong. Geelong is a, a strong club and, and got some, and got good relationships, but a lot of people come from Geelong and so they have a, a bigger network there. Whereas in Sydney, I found, um, You'd have a lot of players every weekend. Um, you might get 20 or 25 blokes at a house or at a, at a pub on a weekend, which you almost can't do in Geelong with, with media and everything else. Um, just one for me, Dan. Um, obviously, you went from Geelong to Sydney, um, and you touched on it earlier. You finally sort of got your body right, um, got over sort of the knee and groin injuries. How frustrating is it now to find yourself off a list um, and I guess, do you harbour hopes of getting back back on a list? Um, obviously, this year it's a bit different. There's no mid-season draft. But um, what are your plans going forward now that you're back playing um, in the SANFL? Yeah, look, it was uh, disappointing uh, back in October last year when I didn't get uh, another year with the Swans. And that was one that uh, it was, was difficult to get my head around as the year went on because... Yeah, you, you, you touched on it. I sort of went up there and had groin surgery, which which fixed my groins and my knees are all good now. And um, and so, unfortunately, didn't get on the park with that and with a with a tear after that as well until mid-season. So, I think when I came into the Swans, it was actually against Geelong was my first game, and we were maybe three and six or three and seven uh, at that stage. And so, pretty early days into playing, I was sort of told that. We're not going to make finals this year, so we've sort of got to develop the younger kids, and we might be a fair bit, fair bit more away from a flag than what we thought. And so, that's where you sort of go, okay, well, maybe um, I can't help the team as much at the moment as what I would have liked. And and so when it came around to in October, I wasn't as shocked as maybe what I would have been. Um, but yeah, would have loved another crack because I do. I feel like my body's in as good a nick as possible, and unfortunately, that's just the way it went. And um, and so now, being back at Centrals, I really loved getting back home and, and, and I'm coaching out here and playing as well. And it's great. But um, and I did harbour ambitions. I really wanted to get picked up in the mid-season draft. But on, unfortunately, I think coronavirus might have um, 
might have heard a few players in the AFL and a few players outside of it, like myself. I think that list sizes are going to get cut by five or ten over the next couple of years. So the chances of actually getting picked up from an SNFL league or a VFL league are much less. So um, I'm realistic that it probably won't happen, but you'll never say never at the same time. It sounds like coaching something you're moving into, though. Is that something uh, you're looking at? Yeah, it is. It's um, It was a byproduct of doing the four knees. I um, probably didn't learn until my third knee, which sounds stupid that it takes that long to actually get your head around how I should um, go about it off-field. And for me, I learned that I needed other outlets to turn to when, when things were going shit on-field and things weren't going well in my rehab. And so I turned to coaching and I coached in Geelong. I coached um, Newtown under-14s for a couple of years and the interleague and, and did some stuff with the Geelong women's team and, and have since coached as well and, and now obviously at Central. So it, it was more so just something else to do, but I, I really found the passion with it. And yeah, I think that um, I definitely will in some capacity be coaching uh, down the track and it's just I'll wait and see what, what level that's at. And Dan, just continuing on with the coaching um, theme, as you sort of talked about the coronavirus sort of impacting club lists um, potentially from uh, next year, do you think the you know, an idea for clubs could potentially be to start developing their players and into sort of development coaching roles and providing specialist coaching so that in the future they're well credentialed um, to step into senior roles uh, should they wish later on in their career? Yeah, I think that um, they have gotten better, the AFL and the AFL Players Association and Coaches Association, at, at putting programs like this in place. But I think... Yeah, a little bit like you said, more so even now because of what's happened and because lists are going to get smaller, I think guys are naturally going to understand that they're going to have to look at other options now because there are going to be a lot of players out of a job and um, and I certainly feel for them and I feel for um, the under-18 players coming up as well because there might only be 30 or 40 players drafted this year compared to your, your 80 to 100 each year and so it means that there's less opportunities and, and I think that um, that's something that AFL clubs that they'll certainly look at and go is, all right, we need to work out other options um, for employment for players. But then on the flip side, the challenging part with that is there's less coaches nowadays as well because a lot have been laid off and, and there's less money in the football cap to spend. So there actually will be less people in the football department. So it's a really challenging one for the, the whole AFL system and, and, and for players as well. So uh, there's a lot of players that, yeah, unfortunately... Um, the reality will hit them over the next year or two and they won't be sure what they're going to do. Just backtracking a little bit, mate, to the uh, the small town syndrome in Geelong. I've got to apologise. It was one of the 20,000 nuffies that asked you how your knee was at home house one night. So I do apologise for that. Um, but you mentioned you're back at Central Districts this year. Uh, you're looking forward to playing with your brother and how's he progressing in his footy? Yeah, so um, I'll, maybe I'll just touch on home house first of all. But um, <laughs> I was again, like I said, it, it's um, Geelong. It's it's uh, everyone obviously followed footy and knew who you were and whatnot. But most people went for the club and were actually pretty good about it. So um, we were pretty lucky in that extent. And and the other thing too, I learned actually about people who ask you about your knee is they don't ask if they didn't give a shit about you or they couldn't care less. They wouldn't ask. They would um, they wouldn't say anything. So. That's the other thing you got to remind yourself. People only ask because they actually genuinely um, either care or want to know um, how you're going. So that was something that I, um, I, I sort of learned over time as well. But in terms of playing with Troy, I've never actually really played, other than school footy, we played one game, but I've never played footy uh, or a proper footy game with Troy before. So it's something that's um, really exciting for me. And I think the, the, the hunger and the passion's there a little bit more from this year as well because I've come back and it's just that healthy competitiveness that we've both got against each other to, to beat each other but also to be better than each other and it will only help us play better. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. And, and the other thing is too, like I said before, my family's all back here. So to actually be able to play in front of them every week and, um, and have them at grounds every week is, will be pretty special. Um, thank you very much, Dan. Um, I think that's all we wanted to ask. Um, thank you very much for coming on um, and being our first guest on Post Game Spray. And um, hopefully we can keep in contact and later on see you down in the future. And good luck with everything um, that you're doing with you're doing at the moment. Yeah, I do just want to um, 
ask what you're up to at the moment in regards to your field stuff, though, uh, Dan. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm coaching obviously at Centrals. I'm doing some one-on-one coaching in South Australia as well with with anyone. Basically, you could be a 14-year-old kid who's wants to develop their their jumping or their their tackling or their handballing or kicking that sort of stuff. That that's I've taken that on. Um, but also just a lot of little things. I mean, um, I've still got MTMF, my mental toughness, mental fortitude, um, sports consulting business. And then I'm in a media company as well that's doing things like what you're doing at the moment, actually, a podcast as well. So, um, so yeah, I'm sort of thinking if I can just dabble in a lot of different things and hopefully something will stand out to me and I'll, I'll go down that pathway. And, um, yeah, that's sort of what, what plans are for now. But, um, yeah, like I said just then, I just recently got into po- doing podcasts myself. And so all the best to you guys as well. I actually love the idea and the concept that you guys have and so hopefully it works out really well for you and you all spoke well as well so all the best with it too thanks man if you need a uh, mediocre div two footballer as a guest on your podcast i'll pull me in uh, i love that i have had a few people already tell me that so um i'm glad that um yeah you'd be willing to do it but no like i said great great stuff boys it's it's it's, um it's really good and hopefully yeah you get some good guests on no worries thanks man thank you very much Thank you, boys. Have a good one. You too. Say From myself, Floody, Derv, Wiz and Fez, we thank you very much for tuning in. Tune in next week for our next post-game spray.